Hello and welcome to Decoding Cannabis. My name is Erez Batat. I'm the founder of Consciously High, a program for people who are struggling with cannabis dependency and are interested in introducing moderation into their lives. I'm the founder of Creorg Institute, an institute, a consciousness research institute in Spokane, Washington, specializing in mind-altering substances. And I'm the um, vice president of the Israeli Institute for Science and Technology. Uh, for those of you who have listened to the podcast before, know that I've moved recently moved to Israel. And I'm proud to talk today to Lacey, uh, who is also located in the state of the great state of Washington. Um, and today we're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about um, cannabis dependency. Lacey is one of the people who is uh, doing Consciously High, the 28-day program designed to eliminate cannabis dependency and introduce moderation into uh, one's cannabis use. And we're also going to talk about autism. So it's going to be a really interesting show, and I can't wait to talk to Lacey. So let's begin. When I'm gone, will I be who I was Hi, Lacey. Hi. How are you? What's the time now in Washington State? Uh, I'm great, and it is 10 a.m. 10 a.m. It's yeah. 8 p.m. here in Israel. The wonders of technology. We're 8,000 miles away, and here we are talking and recording a podcast. Pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I'm so happy to finally meet you. We've been talking for a while, and uh, here we are. And this is the holidays. And uh, we're getting close to the New Year's, and um, you're doing consciously high in a very interesting time. I believe you're on day fourteen. Am I correct? I'm on day fourteen of not smoking, so I'll doing the final week this coming week of the whole program. Mm, mm, that's a that's an important week. We're going to talk about that week. It's a, it's the week in which you've. You're, you're starting to prepare for the aftermath of, you know, for reintroducing cannabis into your life, right. uh, which is a very, very critical one. So day 14 of the program, day 14, I'm sorry, day 21 of the program, day 14 of the cannabis break, because hmm. Consciously High, for those who don't know, uh, as I said, it's a 28-day program, and there's a week prep, and then there's a three-week, at least a three-week tolerance break. Uh, in which one does not smoke or consume any altering substances. So I'm going to just dive right in. How's it going? 14 days, no cannabis. Give me a little overview of how long you've been smoking and um, how does it feel not to smoke 14 days and what does it mean to you? Um, well, I first smoked when I was 14, um, but not not really regularly. I would say that I've been smoking heavily for three and a half years. Um, I, and yeah, I was smoking quite a bit. So it, it's been, you know, I feel good. I felt great about it. Um, on one level <laughs> the whole time. Um, I definitely had a few rough days in the beginning. Um, 
but overall your sleep trick, I was concerned about the sleep situation. Cause when I've taken breaks in the past, I had a really hard time sleeping and your trick of just listening to a podcast eliminated any sleep issue. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It worked like magic. It's like everybody's different. When I don't smoke cannabis, I sleep like a baby. And when I smoke cannabis, I can't sleep. And some people are the other way around. And I always try to give advice, you know, to people who, who can't sleep. And I feel like I feel like a sham because what do I know? I, you know, I sleep great when I don't smoke. So it's good to hear that my advice worked. Uh, I yeah. heard it from a few people who, uh, who have a hard time sleeping. And what, what kind of podcast did you listen to? <laughs> Maybe I should recommend those. What kind of podcast did I listen to? Yeah, that made you fall asleep. Hopefully not mine. (laughs) Oh, right. There was a, I think I just, it was like a sleep story one. Um, Yeah, I think I did bedtime stories for adults or something. And yeah, they're just like these long, boring (laughs) stories that you just kind of listen to. Oh, that's great. It couldn't be something I found interesting because then I would think about what they were saying. There you go. So it had to be, you know, kind of boring. (laughs) There you go. We cannot sleep while we're thinking. Yeah. The the key to sleeping is to stop thinking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for many people, cannabis kind of, you know, helps them stop thinking, especially if it's indica-based strains for most people. And uh, it sounds like you found something to help you. Because when we're listening we have a hard time thinking about it and again, just like you said, unless it's interesting. So, so that's right. awesome. Uh, I find that Alan Watts, um, you know, the British philosopher, he always helps me fall asleep. Oh, if, okay. If I'm having a hard time, so. <laughs> what a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's great, but you know, yeah. he's just, you know, right. <laughs> he has that voice, you know? Okay. Yeah. So day 14, and you've been smoking pretty heavily for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And um, what made you want to stop? What what happened? Uh, well, much like what Don was talking about last week is I could just see that it was holding me back. I've had this feeling that it just I just guess I became aware of how much attention of my attention was put on it. And you know, I feel like I kind of started to become the observer. I've been meditating for about three years too. So I think that kind of maybe gave me an insight of kind of watching myself. And I just was, I don't know, I kind of reached a point where I just had this gut feeling that there was, there's something else that needs my attention. And, you know, I got to let this go. And it's attachment you know, I definitely recognized that it was something I was emotionally attached to. Mm. And, you know, like she was talking about shadow work and she kind of dealt with everything else in her life. And then (laughs) nothing was left except for this. And it's like, okay, here we are now. All right. This is the next, this is the next thing to figure out. Yeah. It's sort of like when we learn how to swim and we have, you know, we have this thing that helps us float. And, um, at some point we've learned all the technique and we can swim on our own. Now we, now we just have to let it go and there's no avoiding, avoiding that. 
But you also said in your Nabat, and you also said in your emails to me that um, you you didn't want you didn't really want to stop altogether, but rather just sort of you know get control over the habit because you like cannabis and you wanted to keep it in your life. Yeah. So that's why your information was really just the missing link for me because here I wanted, you know, I wanted control. I recognized that there was something that had more control than I did. And, but I didn't want to quit smoking pot. And because I can't deny the amazing things that it does for me, I have, you know, insights and these revelations when I'm smoking and I'm like, okay, there's no way, there's no way I would have realized this had it not been for smoking. Mm. So I guess listening to your theory and listening to you, it was like, wow. Okay. Cause you know, you kind of get this idea in your head that, you know, it's an addiction. If you're going to quit, you can't touch it again because then you can't control it. You know, it's kind of that, um, I don't know, maybe like a false dichotomy. You either smoke, you know, uncontrollably or not at all. Um, and so your information, I was just like, whoa, this is, this is it. And I gotta, yeah. I gotta try it. Cause I don't want to quit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did you try to quit and had a hard time? Because most people who, uh, you know, find consciously high it's after they've, they've tried to quit and, you know, something, something didn't work out. Yeah. I've, I took a 10 day break, um, probably a couple of years ago and it wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near the same though, because I feel like what's different this time is all of the tools that you're giving, you know, talking about the inner child, the inner adult, the desire and will, and that I just, think is 100% accurate for me anyway. Mm. Um, So back then it was more about kind of proving to myself that I could do it. And really, you know, in a weird twisted way, it was almost my desire that wanted to keep smoking um, as much as I wanted that got me to take the break. Does that make sense? I, th- I think so. I think that what you're saying, because I know that place of, yeah. you know, sort of like, wow, am I, am I addicted? So you stopped smoking for like 10 days, two years ago, just like you said, just to prove to yourself that you can. And right. then, but you didn't really want to. And then, okay, fine. Yeah, I can stop any, anytime I want. Right. But then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Check, you know, yeah, I got, yeah. I got that covered. But then right. time goes by. I know that for me, at least, when I I realized that I that I had dependency, I I always um, I always talked about the fact that at some point during my research of cannabis, I've researched for about ten years, and it, you know, just like any good scientist, I I needed to check things out without smoking as well. So I took a year break, a whole year of I think it was 2016. Or 2015, I can, I can never remember because I, I just don't remember dates. But um, one of these years I took off completely. And every time I would ask myself, am I am I addicted? Am I Do I have a dependency? I was like, no, no, I stopped for a whole year. I can stop anytime I want. And then I remember in 2018, I decided to quit. 
for a while and I, I broke my promise to myself and then I broke it again. And, and once I broke my word, once I broke it, I, I didn't have anything. I, was, I, I couldn't trust myself anymore. And, and that was just downhill from there, just downhill. And that was scary to me. I, I was, okay, I was so that's scared. how you learned the importance of the word by, yes. by breaking it yourself and having that experience. That's a good point. You know, I never thought of, the, of that. Yes, but you're right. I, I, I learned the importance of the word by breaking it. You're right. Because if you don't, it's sort of like you don't know what you have until, until you don't have it anymore. You know, it's so funny. It's like I, I never put it in these words and you just saying it just like something clicked, you know. Um, it's amazing really how, how we get revelation. I mean, it's so obvious now that you said it, but I just never thought about it this way. I just, here's the, here's the deal. I I'm just going to tweak it a little bit because I always knew I was kind of proud of my word. You know, I used to tell my wife at the time, Diane, who's now one of my, one of my best friends. Um, I used to tell her, Oh, I can stop anytime I want. All I have to do is say it. And you know, when I stopped for you know, I stopped for three months and I stopped for two weeks and I stopped for a year, you know, whatever I wanted, whatever I declared. And she always looked at me and said, oh, wow, you know, you said it and you stopped. And um, later on in the process, especially during my divorce, when I was, you know, smoking so much, mm -hmm. I, I was sort of hiding it from her because I was so embarrassed that I broke my word. But you're right. Only, only when I broke, I mean, I knew before that, that the word was so important, but only when I broke it, everything collapsed, everything collapsed. And I was just, I, I, I just, I, I got really scared at some point because it's almost like you realize that you're no longer in control. And that's a scary thing because until then, yeah, I don't I, know that I've ever really had it. I don't know that I've ever really had my word and yeah. trusted myself in that way. Mm. Honestly. Mm. Yeah. I hear yeah. you. A lot of people tell me that, that they've never, never developed that, you know, could never kind of trusted what they said. Yeah. So for those, for, for the listeners who maybe don't know what we're talking about, consciously high is based on the idea, this process that I'm teaching to, have moderation while using cannabis is based on the idea that will controls desire. And we, I spoke about that in previous episodes and, you know, in the two episodes that you've listened to before Don, I think it was episode nine and 10. I can't remember. And, um, you know, we spoke about the fact that desire is always passive. It's always invoked by something. And, when there's no possibility to smoke, then the desire just doesn't come up. And even if it does, it's momentary and then it passes. And the way to control our will, if we control our will, we control our desire. And the way to control our will is by using our word, is to have a word. Because if you say, if you're a parent and you have a child that wants something and you say, no, you can't have it. And then the child says, no, but I, but I want to. And you said, well, okay. Then the child next time, of course, they're going to say, no, no, I want it. And they're going to cry and they're going to do whatever. Right. And you just yeah. have to, you have to be firm. And it's the same thing with our inner child. It's the exact same thing. 
Because when the child knows that the adult is not going to cave in, the child is simply going to, it's going to divert its attention to something else. And it's, it just sounds so simple, but it works. I have so many people who tell me, I never thought I could stop. You don't understand, Ares. You don't understand. Everybody, you know, like I've been smoking for 16 years. I've been smoking for 22 years, so on and so forth. And voila, they, they, they don't smoke. So um, it's powerful, isn't it? <laughs> it is powerful. And my word, um, it's funny, the day I listened to your podcast is the day I finished this super special book that I love so much by Elizabeth Lesser. And it's called Cassandra Speaks. And in her last um, chapter, she talks about this word called Fernweh, and it's a German word. And it's the opposite of homesickness. It's having, it's longing for a place or a thing or something that you've never had, but for some reason you want it or you, you miss it oddly. And so when I heard, I was like, oh my God, that's my word. <laughs> I'm going to do say, it for- Say it again, say it again. It's uh, Fernweh. It's spelled F-E-R-N-W-E-H. Fernweh. Yes. Wow, the opposite of homesick. Yes. It's in it's like, German? Mm-hmm. Do you speak German? I know, but it was in this book. I don't speak okay. German. <laughs> but it's a German word, and we don't, you know, in English, we don't have a similar word. Yeah. But um, I just thought that was a really cool one. So that's my word. I tell myself I'm doing it for that far off place that I haven't been yet, but I know. But wow. I know I'll get to. Yeah. 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 So 14 days, no smoking, and you had some difficulties in the beginning. Tell me about those. Um, so I definitely felt like there was something in me that was, you know, getting restless, that was, you know, the, and it, the desire, the desire would come up and then it would get frustrated, you know, like, hey, usually this works. What are you doing? Um, I also felt like, you know, how you used the helicopter analogy, Mm. how when you smoke, it kind of, it shows you all the potential of life and, oh my goodness, it could be so great. And then when you have the low, you only see obstacles. So for those first few days, that is how I would describe it. I was just seeing obstacle after obstacle after obstacle and getting kind of frustrated. I also had an emotional day um and yeah it was it was quite uncomfortable day two and three were quite uncomfortable but um but now i have that part of me that you know does really want to smoke but is oh is okay with not right now yeah yeah there's sort of this acceptance yeah yeah Yeah. like what you're saying it's kind of like the, the kid that's like all right fine yeah. not gonna happen i'll give up <laughs> you just and you basically don't you you just don't think about it because even if it comes up you're like oh yeah okay well whatever you know yeah right which interesting in the beginning i felt like it was almost a different consciousness like i would feel the intention to smoke and it would be triggered by different things like you know doing laundry normally mm-hmm. i'd get stoned before i fold laundry um so going to do laundry it was like i was the trigger there. yeah 
Yeah. Like, okay, I'll go smoke. Oh wait, yeah. no, I won't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a different, I yeah. literally forgot for a second. <laughs> yeah. Desire is triggered by two things. It's triggered by, well, by three things, really. It's triggered by thought. Okay, so if we think about something, if we start thinking about, you know, candy, then we might want candy. Or start thinking about chocolate, the chocolate cake, then, oh, wow, I really want a chocolate cake. So it's stirred, it's really two things. It's stirred by the senses, right? Um, if we see a chocolate cake, we're going to want a chocolate cake. And then the second thing is, is it's stirred by habit because... For those who've been listening to you know my podcasts and you know my my lectures and things I things I teach, I talk about the fact that reality is being created by two minds, not one. Our reality is a product of a, a union of two minds, a masculine mind and a feminine mind, a yin and a yang. Um, in Hebrew philosophy, it's called the father and the mother. Uh, in uh, um, uh, Egyptian philosophy, it's called the empress and the emperor or the emperor and the empress uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, in Christianity, it's uh, uh, the, the father and the Holy Spirit, right? There is this, this union of these two things that are creating our reality. And one of them is active and one of them is passive. And the passive one, the minus, because there's a mind and a minus, um, is you know the the sun and the moon right in astrology she she doesn't think she doesn't have the ability to think and yet she knows everything she knows everything and she works by habit whatever you train her to do she will do for people uh, who know the book of genesis it says i don't know how to say it in english so i'll just say it in hebrew ezer kenegdo um uh it says that eve Adam and Eve, another one of those pairs, because the whole story of creation is a metaphor for how the mind works. Uh, Eve is, um, how do you say Ezra Kenegdo? It's like a helper um, to counterbalance Adam, right? Mm -hmm. It's basically like responsive to him, uh, there to, to support him. And that's what she does. If Adam says, Adam in Hebrew means human. That's the funny thing. It's like, oh, people hear Adam, they, they think about a name in English, right? But there's no such name, Adam, in Hebrew. It'll be like calling someone person. You have a baby born. Oh, and you say, oh, oh yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. You're going to say, oh, a baby's born. You know, we're going to call it person. Hey, person, do you want, do you want some <laughs> ice cream? It just doesn't work. And so the Weird. word Adam in Hebrew means human. Because what makes human human? The fact that they can talk. What's the first thing that Adam, Adam did in the book of Genesis? He gave names to things. The entire story of creation is a metaphor for how the mind works. And so Eve, which in Hebrew, she's, she's not called Eve in Hebrew. She's mm -hmm. called Chava. Chava in Hebrew is from the word Chavaya, which means experience. Chava the minus creates our experience through the senses. And so there's Adam, the mind that thinks, and then there's Eve, the mind that feels, the mind that senses. And together, in Hebrew philosophy, it's called the upper union. They create, I don't know if you can see, but there's a, 
you know, the tree of life over there. And there's the, the red thing that's, uh, um, it's called chokhmah. It's sort of like intelligence, right? That's the thinking mind. And then there's the blue one called bina, which, you know, has the feminine side on it, which is, um, bina means wisdom. And wisdom, you don't, you don't acquire wisdom unless you have an actual experience. And so you have these two minds in our, in our, you know, in our consciousness, in the metaphysical realm, which of course mirrored by the fact that we have two hemispheres and they create that experience. And once you realize that, once you realize that you can actually control one of them by control, by controlling, uh, control the second one by controlling the first one, if you control your thought, you can control the mind that is passive. You, if you control the yang, you can control the ying. If you control the empress, you can control the. Uh, if you control the emperor, you can control the empress because the empress is always passive. She's always responsive, and so when it comes to smoking cannabis, she doesn't know. She knows that every time you go fold laundry, you're gonna have you're gonna smoke, and so she's like, "Oh, it's time to fold laundry. Do you want to smoke?" No, okay. I don't want to smoke. You have to retrain her to do that. You're and just responding to what you do. Exactly. Exactly. So would you compare that to the ego and the self or is that different? So ego is a washed up word. Okay. It's a, it's a little bit of a problem because we, we have to understand that as we evolved from Freud, who basically, you know, it's like reverse engineering, right? We're reverse engineering the psyche for the past 150 years. And slowly and steadily, we're realizing more and more things. And we've, you know, Freud, basically one of the first people came up with the idea of a subconscious, right? There's something that's going on there. And, you know, he came up with the id and the ego and, you know, the, all these things. And so the ego is kind of a washed up word because it's, it's used to describe, it, it has a negative connotation. And if you ask five people what ego means, they're going to tell you something else. The reality is that the ego personality is actually very important because when we have no ego personality, when we have no personality at all, we, we, we cancel ourselves. And there is a big importance to actually having desires and to actually having a willpower. And the second you have willpower whatsoever, you have ego. Okay, not in the negative sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Now, when we talk about the self, you know, that's also a word that if you ask five people what it means, you're going to get 10 answers. Um, in um, uh, esoteric literature and in um, channeling literature, the self is the part of you that never dies. Uh, in right. channeling literature, for example, it's called the mind-body-spirit complex because it's right. a complex. It's not really one thing. And then there's the higher self, which is the you that exists in a different time space that already has been through all your incarnations. Because the reality is that, well, now we're going into, you know, um, uh, esoteric teachings, which is, I have a different podcast. It's the wrong podcast, right? Oh, I have really? a podcast <laughs> called uh, uh, Kabbalistic Mystic, which I think you might like, because I can see I your... I would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I should really put it on my website. I don't do it justice. I'm yeah, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm kind of jumping all over the place, and I'm not. I'm actually not stoned. I'm actually in a non-smoking period. But um, 
I'm a little embarrassed by that podcast because that podcast, I mean, in the beginning, I would put so much into my episodes and then I started smoking very heavily and I can hear it in my, in my podcast wow. episode and it's embarrassing. And so yeah. I don't know. Anyway, so that's Kabbalistic mystic for people who are really digging this discussion. But to go back to our trunk of thought, to our trunk of conversation, we can really train our desire because the mind creates our willpower, the mindness, the yin, okay, the empress, Eve, the moon, uh, the Holy Spirit, she creates our desire. That's the only way she has to tell us when we're awake what, what she wants. But what she wants is based is, is to support you. So if she wants pizza, if she evokes that desire, is because she thinks that you this is something you want. This is your this is your will. And you, it's it, it takes time to train her. It's sort of like when we're walking, we're not thinking about putting the first leg forward and the next leg and then the next leg. We think about it or you know, we're kind of like practicing it when we're learning how to walk but once we've done that she takes over yeah. everything that we're doing that is automatic she does she does it flawlessly she cannot make any mistakes and okay. many times she'll give us desire because she's trying to point us in the right direction when we're really following our true passion we're doing it because there's something that really calls us. And so the spiritual warrior it has to ask himself or herself, is this a true desire or a fake desire? And here we go back to your question about the ego and the self, right? We have a false desire that is a desire because of an idea that we have. Oh, I really want to be successful because I want to have a pool and I want to have uh, three cars and blah, 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 whatever, right? Which... I was there, you know, I was working in high tech, making a lot of money and Silicon Valley type of thing. I was a junior executive in a big technology company and I've quit. I've quit in order to pursue my dream. And I've realized at some point that all my dreams were fake desires. It's the same thing with marijuana. When you use it in order to, to achieve something, it's the achieving of that thing, for example, to get over a tragedy, which, you know, I think you understand and, and can relate to, and maybe you want to share, maybe not. I don't want to push you there, but, oh, yeah, we can. um, you know, we, we want to achieve something for me. I wanted to achieve, uh, um, self-realization. I wanted to learn how the mind works. I wanted to understand what creates our perception of time. I used cannabis as a research tool. I've used it in order to get ideas, to become more creative. But at some point, I realized that there's a difference between being creative and actually create because cannabis would make me creative, but it would deprive me from the ability to create because, you know, I have these great ideas, but no motivation to do them. So, you know, it's one of those things that you have to realize that the cannabis is just the crutches. It's just a floating device. And at some point you have to let it go and then you have to retrain the mindness you have to retrain that passive mind within you to to let go of it and and to you know to 
to, to help you in other ways. And so, so it's tricky. Yeah. That was my little speech about the whole ego and that triggered something, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's, that makes a lot of sense because the word ego and I, you know, I learned a lot of it from Eckhart Tolle. I look at it from his perspective, less about Freud, more of the way he uses it. Um, and it seems like maybe that is similar, but I agree that the word ego, I have, a, I have not successfully detached from the negative connotations from that word. So I welcome these yeah. other. Um, you other know, modes. Eckhart Tolle is, first of all, he's great. Um, he is a champion of Eastern philosophies. Mm -hmm. And we have to distinguish between Eastern philosophies and Western philosophies when it comes to the spiritual journey. And the reason we have to distinguish between them is because the entire idea behind Eastern philosophies is to cancel the self, is to, to essentially ascend into the heavens, into the self. Uh, through meditation and through cancellation of the self, essentially cancellation of desire. Mm -hmm. And desire is essentially the source of all suffering. We're, we're taught by Buddhism. And the entire um, process that we're taught by Hinduism, Buddhism, and most uh, Eastern methodologies is to train the body you know, so we can open the nadis, the energetic channels, uh, the Ida and Pingala, which create the Shushumna, which is this basic thing in the middle, uh, this basic energy channel in the middle that weaves in and all the 70,000 nadis in our body. And the more we open them, the more we can then raise the Kundalini energy, boom, you ascend to the skies and essentially your body just drops dead because, you know, it, it's, a, it's a vibration so high that you can't stay in your body. And that's the way of the mystic. Now, in the Western philosophies, um, the you know there used to be you know in the when Christianity was 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 very new there used to be this this famous argument between the occultist and the mystic and the mystic wants to ascend to God and the occultist tells the mystic he says what what are you doing you came here to this incarnation to be here so you want to go away. You're going to die. Don't worry about it. Everybody dies. You're going to get there. Okay. The whole idea is to descend God into you here. And so in Western philosophies, and again, you can look at the tree of life and see that line in the middle, that line in Hebrew philosophy is called Vav. That line is the exact same thing as in Eastern philosophies. It's the Shushumna. But the idea in Eastern philosophies is to open the abundance um, yeah, well, I'm translating from Hebrew, so it's a little weird. It's like abundance pipes, I guess, like abundance paths. Um, you open it, which is not the Nadis in the Eastern philosophy, but you open them not in order to ascend up, but rather in order to prepare your body to so that God or the you know the Holy Spirit, the Son, essentially can be born within you, and you can be reborn as a spiritual person in this incarnation right here. And it's a very, it's a, it's a big twist on, on this whole idea of, of spirituality. And, and so it's two different things. And in Western methodology, therefore the ego is very important, not the ego, but the desire, because the desire is your Northern star. 
The idea in the Western philosophy is that everybody comes here with a predetermined story, with a predetermined purpose. And if you're going to sit all day and meditate, which, you know, if this is, if this is your path, great. If you feel like this is your path, then maybe that's your purpose. But um, most people are not here to do that. Most people are here in order to do something. I'm here to do what I'm doing. I'm here to do this podcast. I'm here to explore the mind. I'm here to write my books. Uh, you know, I've made discoveries. I'm continuing to make discoveries. I'm, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. And I know that. I know that. And so if I'm going to sit all day and meditate and going to ascend and, you know, leave my body, then I'm not going to be doing my work. And that's a whole different perspective. And what guides me is my desire. Because the desire is the northern star. But the key is to know what's false desire and what's true desire. And to always follow that true desire and to let go of the false desire. And it's the same with cannabis. When we want to smoke, we have that desire come up. There's two different types. There's the desire that comes up because of the habit. Because, oh, I'm going to fold laundry. So I'm going to smoke. Oh, wow. I'm about, it's Friday night. And I, I, wow, I really worked hard all week and, yeah. uh, you know, I just feel like smoking cause, because, you know, whatever, but tomorrow I'm supposed to do something and it's whatever. Right. But there's that place where suddenly you feel like the, the mindness is telling you, tuck, tuck, tuck. she's, you know, she's tapping your shoulder. Now would be a good time to smoke. Now would be the right time to smoke. You're in a party, somebody hands you a joint, you know, you're a clear mind, you know that tomorrow you don't have anything to, you know, that important to do, it's not going to impact you, and you're feeling, you know what, it's time to shake that snow globe, it's time to vacuum the carpet, uh, flush the toilet, drain the tub, whatever terms you want to give it, and it feels right, and honing that place that feels right, you asked me in one of your emails, you said, how do you know it's time to let go? Well, if you ask that, you know, you know, yeah. so, so anyway, so I, I, I've, I've given you information about completely different topics, but I have a feeling that you're digging it. So I just went there. I'm really digging it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that stuff is kind of my jam lately because that, you know, you, I, my older sister died almost three years ago. And I definitely feel like I had a complete spiritual awakening when that happened. Mm. And um, it's funny. And it's, again, this might be for your other podcasts, but, um, but that feeling here, you keep doing this yeah. and that that's where I feel her. And it's the weirdest thing that now you're saying that because. For, for those of you who are listening and not looking at the YouTube uh, Lacey's pointing into her spine, basically up and down her spine, which is the location of the Shushumna uh, in the Eastern philosophies and the, uh, uh, well, I don't know what, what to call it in Western philosophies, but, you know, that central energy line. Yeah, so. Chakra or no? Um, the, you know, in the Eastern philosophies, the energy centers. So, so the Shushumna, we're just going to give it, give it the Eastern names because in the Western philosophies, uh, it, it, you know, the, the names are not, are not that common. Um, and, and they're kind of different depends on what you, what you're talking about. Um, 
in in the Eastern philosophies, this central energy line, first of all, we're talking about the energetic body. The energetic body exists between, it's, it's, it's quantum, it's a quantum body. It's our body of potential, okay? And essentially, it's between our physical body and time-space, which is, um, you know, this other realm that is the realm of consciousness itself. And it's real. It's there. And just like you said, when your sister died, you felt it. Um, mm -hmm. Me as well. When I had my spiritual awakening after I quit my job, I felt this energy coming out of my head. I felt my heart expanding. And, so, and I went online. I was like, you know, I was this atheist dude who doesn't believe in anything, you know, nothing. I didn't know anything of the stuff I know now. And I went online and suddenly I'm like, oh, I'm having a spiritual awakening? What? Mm -hmm. I'm not a spiritual person. What are you talking about? And suddenly it hit me. It's physical. It's like, it's, it, I can feel it. I can actually feel it. But then I realized it's not physical. It's metaphysical, but you feel it as a reflection in your body. So in Eastern philosophies, the Shushumna, which is that central energy line, is actually made of two separate lines, a masculine and a feminine. One is controlled by the mind. One is controlled by the mindness. The one that's controlled by the by the mind is called the pingala, pin, like a pin, right? Like a penis, right? Is is the masculine. The the ida is the feminine, and these it's two separate energies that are weaved into each other like a candle, like a braided candle. And every place they meet is called chakra. In the Western philosophy, every place they meet is called an energy center, which is a chakra, right? But in, in the West, we give them colors. There's the red, there's the, uh, the, the uh, orange energy center, the yellow one, the, the green one, the blue one, the indigo one, and the violet one. And the idea is to open your energy channels so that you can light, light up these energy centers over time. And the thing is, if we connect it back to cannabis, a lot of people can feel, especially um, I spoke about this in this podcast, and that's opening a whole different branch of, speak, of, of, of you know, knowledge, uh, smarties versus wisies, right? Mm -hmm. People who are uh, polarized in their mind to the mind. The mind is in control. Some people, the mindness is more dominant. Just like some people, the uh, left, the, the left hemisphere is more dominant. Some people, the right hemisphere is more dominant. It's the same thing in the metaphysical realm. And so, smarties, uh, people who are uh, electromagnetically positively polarized, people who are essentially active in their mind, passive in their body. The body is responsive to the mind. When they smoke, especially sativa-dominant strain, they immediately feel the energetic centers, the vast majority of them. And I've, I've actually given workshops on how to move that energy using cannabis, but don't tell anyone because, yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting a little excited because you're going into realms I'm so excited about, but I'm not really a part of this podcast, but it's okay because it's all cannabis-related. So yeah. we can, we can talk about whatever we want. Yeah. Yeah. Tell so me. Yeah. Go ahead. The desire. So when you're talking about how, um, the feminine side, you know, is, is responsible for desire. Then when you have a desire for one thing and one thing only like cannabis, 
seems like it's just like the ultimate self-sabotage because you're not allowing that that side of you to do its job and point you to where you're supposed to go. Because if you're only desiring, you know, pot all day, then she doesn't really have the space to point you in a direction. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, The choices that she's making are based on your well-being. And it's going to sound counterintuitive, but she knows that sometimes if you're not going to get to to the point of saturation, you're not going to let it go. And so we have our will. We're willing to smoke pot. We're willing to say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We're thinking about marijuana. Oh, yeah, I have some. Ooh, yeah, you know, I can do this. You know, she invokes the desire. She said, okay, that's what you want. I'm here to serve. I'm going to bring in the desire. Let's see what you do now. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Yeah. Let's see what you're going to do. Let's see what you're going to do. She she doesn't care. She's going to give it to you again and again and again until you're going to go bottom, 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 because she knows that then you're going to climb up. It's just a piece of the puzzle. It's the way, it's the way the world works. We, we get, we always get to, um, some kind of, uh, of, uh, uh, the, the, the bottom of the barrel, right? Yeah. Before we decide, okay, I'm going to make a change. Now, I don't want people to listen to this podcast and say, oh, now he's all anti-cannabis. I love cannabis. I still smoke it, um, but I have a whole different point of view and I have a whole different perspective on how I use it in my life. The inner adult is in control of, of my experience, not the inner child. The child... Yeah gets to smoke cannabis every once in a while when I decide that it's the right time in the right place. But, but, but that's it, you know, and, and that's a whole different perspective. So, you know, I, I just want to give a little context so that people don't think I've, I flipped. (laughs) Right. That makes sense. And I, you know, and I think that trauma has a lot to do with whether the inner child or inner adult is in charge. Um, there's this another amazing book that I found. It's called Emotional Alchemy by mm. Tara Bennett Goleman. And she talks about um, different types of trauma and how we respond to it, you know, maybe later on in our life. And one thing that I've definitely, um, definitely seen in myself is uh, the deprivation. Um, she calls it a schema like a pattern of thought pattern of, um, triggers. Mm. And, you know, I, because of my past, I had a sick sister from, you know, when I was 13, my older sister got diagnosed with cancer. And so from 13 on, I had almost no emotional availability from my parents because, you know, of what was happening. So I was, I was deprived in a lot of ways. And so now the way I see it is, and I learned from her book is that, you know, the opposite of that is kind of this entitlement um, of, you know, oh, just give yourself whatever you want. You desire it, just give it to yourself because you were deprived right. back then. And see, this is where I, 
Um, I think self-compassion is something that's really important. Um, and that was going to maybe be one of my suggestions to mm. you in your teaching. Um, because <laughs> when you start, when you stop smoking and you're kind of, you know, really seeing, you know, I, I have kids. And so you're kind of seeing, oh, oh, this is what has been happening. You know, you're, it's so, it's so brave to go there and look at what your choices and what your decisions have kind of, maybe the consequences have been. And so, um, you know, I just, I don't can want you, Can you be more specific, if you can be more specific? Cause yes, I, I can. So one example would be, you know, maybe, Oh, um, I'll, I'll be right back. You know, you do that, you know, and I'll be right back. And maybe I go outside and I smoke and I, you know, realizing that my version of be right back <laughs> might be different. Right. Her version of be right back. Right. And, and that's where, and this is what I'm wondering, the inner child, inner adult, is the inner adult just a, a culmination of the way we're treated as children by adults in our family. Mm. So if I'm, if I'm teaching her, you know, I'll be right back. And she thinks, oh, she'll be right back. And then I kind of break that word that normalizes it for her, yeah. you know, yeah. to break, to break the word is, is normal to her. And I definitely think that that's why I've struggled and why I don't really have I've never had, you know, control over my life. I've never had that will and that word to be the ultimate, you know, boss or the one in charge. And I'm thinking that that's why I, it wasn't modeled to me. And so I, it's so important to take care of myself and, you know, since I stopped, I've definitely noticed that I have more negativity. I've noticed that I've been a little bit uh, meaner to myself because I'm realizing these things. You know, any time in my life where I've been super honest with myself about my behavior and how it's affecting those around me, you know, I kind of have this, I don't know if it's inevitable, but so far it is, this kind of period of just feeling just like a piece of shit, you know, oh God, this is the worst. And then I come out of it, you know, and I eventually yeah. learned to give myself that self-compassion of, you know, this is exactly what you should be doing. This is what, this is what you've been taught. This mm. is the only thing, mm. you know, and what's happening here is you're having the bravery to look at it and, yeah. you know, and to be aware so that it can be fixed. Amazing. So what you're saying is, if, if I'm paraphrasing, you're basically yeah. seeing these patterns, these things that you've been doing when you were smoking and various behaviors that when you were smoking, didn't you just didn't think about them or basically you just thought about them and just kind of let them go because, you know, you were in your own world. Yeah. And now that you're seeing it, it's kind of humbling and yeah. saddening. And what you're saying, which is I think is is really important and something that, especially me not having kids, uh, wouldn't be able to to know is basically to tell people, hey, um, don't don't be so hard on yourself, because yeah. because you know the fact that you you're brave enough to see these patterns and to to address them is I mean that's the process, right? That's the 
that's the spiritual right. journey of of self evolution and yeah yeah wow this yeah. is amazing amazing so so good for you because even when you're going to reintroduce marijuana into your life still when you're smoking when your when your child tells you hey you know blah 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 and you're saying oh i'll be right back now you're going to have the awareness because you've stopped and something happened and there was a trigger and now now it's there now it's not going to go away and yeah yeah mm, fascinating um mm-hmm. tell me tell me a little bit about if you're willing of course when your sister died so three and a half years ago that corresponds with with the period of time that you mentioned that you've been smoking heavily so it sounds like when your sister died you started smoking heavily and it was related yeah and i only really understood that with hindsight um mm. I started smoking heavily when uh, her and my mother actually moved to Hawaii because she really wanted to live in Hawaii. And that's when I really started um, smoking heavily. And in hindsight, that makes sense. You know, it's when she left and I knew, I knew she wouldn't be coming back. She wanted Uh, to go to Hawaii because she knew she was dying. Yeah. 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 She really, uh, when she was diagnosed and over the, she really just, slowly over 18 years died. It's wow, yeah. Wow. It's real Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm so, yeah, sorry. she wanted to live in Hawaii. And so my mom, you know, made that happen for her and we, uh, we went over there and, you know, my mom, my mom has always smoked pot. Um, I remember being a little girl and what is that smell? What, what is that thing? What is she doing out there? And I would investigate and I remember looking into her pocket and being like, what is this stuff? And, um, you know, it was that little, that little mystery, yeah. <laughs> mysterious yeah. thing that I was so curious about and yeah. <laughs> I've come to learn so much about, but, um, so, you know, it's, it's very much a family dynamic, you know, um, my mom and my other sister and I, you know, it's something that we very much have used to cope. And it's funny because, you know, you said, if you're asking if it's time, then, you know, and that's totally true because, I was not asking that at the time, you know, right. yeah. it, it wasn't, it was just something that needed yeah. to be done. You know, my sister, as she was dying, I always thought it was funny because she used to kind of like, she didn't smoke cause she had bad lungs so she couldn't smoke, but she, she ate it. Um, but she would kind of always be like, why are you guys smoking? You know, and she would kind of have that attitude about it. But then as she was dying, she knew we were doing it a lot, but she never, she never judged it. She didn't care. Yeah. So that's really that might be a side note thing, but, um, so we, yeah. So we used it to, you know, get through that really hard time and, you know, it helped us, it helped us cope and get mm-hmm. us through it. And, you know, my sister, we had to, we, we had to, she ate it and, you know, I watched it help her in ways that no other medicine was doing you know give me examples um like i don't know just lighter like i feel like it just made her lighter and it just made her happier and i don't know but we just i just remember us having to like you know if the hospice people were coming just don't tell them (laughs) 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 yeah 
you know, it's still illegal or whatnot. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely been, you know, that thing, you know, in uh, the journaling, writing a letter to it, it's definitely been that thing for me that's been a constant in my life, that it's been the only thing that's been there for me and consistent in, yeah. you know, giving me what I need and regulate my emotions and control and my the, Yeah. And for the listeners, I'm going to mention that what Lacey's talking about is one of the exercises in Consciously High in the beginning of, of the program is to write a thank you letter to cannabis and to say goodbye to that, or at least partial goodbye to that really good friend that has been there for us. Because letting go of cannabis, you know, it's the end of an era. Uh, even if you're not going to let it go altogether, there is this, there is this, oh yeah, there's this feeling of like, oh, it's never going to go back to what it was. You know, right. that, that, that safe place that, yeah, it was, it was a friend to lean on and, and it's gone. And now, now, now I need to be on my own. I need to stand on my own two feet. And, uh, I know, I know that for me, I've used cannabis a lot because I was lonely. I was very lonely. I was in the United States. I had friends, but you know, I, I was basically so far away from my culture and from my family and especially throughout the divorce, it was really, really hard. And do you feel like there was loneliness for you, uh, especially after they moved to Hawaii? Was was cannabis oh. helping you with that? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Now that you say that. And, you know, at the yeah. time, and again, that maybe that goes back to the two different parts of you. Um, there was a part of me that was glad that knew that it was the right thing. You know, it's so good that they're there. You know, I want separation. I need separation. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that that's true. Yeah. It's, um, it's powerful to give names to the emotions, to remember that place of, of loneliness. You know, people who have not felt truly lonely don't know what that, what that feels. And there's many people who feel lonely, but don't give, give the name to that sensation and right. it's a horrible sensation to feel lonely. And I know for me, it's like every time I smoked pot, I wasn't lonely anymore. Even if I was completely alone, there was hmm. some kind of an inner connection. Yeah. I really resonate with that. I've kind of, I have a chip on my shoulder about not being understood. You know, nobody understands me <laughs> that yeah. sort of thing. And now that you say that, I wonder if that's part of the reason there's loneliness yeah. in that, you know? Yeah. Very deep loneliness. Yeah. yeah. In, 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 in not being understood and not being, you know, your sister getting all the attention rightfully so just due to her condition. But at the end right. of the day, you, you know, you, you just, in, you know, it's like at the end, end of her journey, you know, they, they physically left and mm -hmm. there you are you know, you were left on your own and right. started smoking heavily. And right. so, so what's different now? Now you said that you've seen that it's impacting you. What do you want to do that cannabis didn't allow you? So you mentioned a few things with, you know, behavior patterns with your children. Um, mm -hmm. Is there, are, are there things that cannabis is preventing you from doing from a, a motivation standpoint? Yeah, I definitely feel like um, I definitely feel like I have a lot of untapped potential 
that I have a lot of things in, in my life that I've never really uh, pursued. And that's the thing. I don't, I have like an idea, a feeling, but I, I don't know, you know, you were talking about like, this is what I'm here to do. I know it's what I'm here to do. Yeah. I have a less clear view of what that is. I know there's something specific. I know I'll find it. Yeah. Um, I just don't know quite. May what I, is. may I ask, it's very ungentleman of me, but may I ask how old you are approximately? <laughs> I'm 34. Okay. So I've started my, this journey, uh, I've quit my corporate job when I was 38. Mm-hmm. Um, I've smoked pot for the first time when I was 35. So you're good to go. Uh, it's, you know, women evolve faster than men. And most men have, you know, this, this place of realization that they need to find direction in their life somewhere between 35 and 45. And uh, you're obviously a very conscious individual and you're obviously on, on a spiritual journey to self-manifest. And so I'm not really worried about you, but I just want to give you that um, perspective, that measuring stick that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're very young and you, you, you know, you're, you're exactly in those, in the the beginning of those years to to start thinking about what do you want to do? And since you're saying you have that place that knows that there's something you're supposed to do, you just don't know what it is. Um, just knowing that place, stick to that, stick to that because that's your Northern star and yeah. ask yourself, what do I desire? Go back to the desire because there's a desire that is not invoked by your will. It's whether you, even if you push against it, it's still going to be there. And that's the true desire. That's the desire that is not coming from the ego, like you called it before, but rather from the self, from the you that has been there even before you were born, that for the you that would exist even after. And, 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 and feel that, stick to that, and write about that. You can even do writing exercises of mm-hmm. saying, I really want to like do that writing prompt. Do you do the writing prompts, by the way? I do. I find I get impatient when writing. <laughs> yeah. I'm left-handed and I, I, I think I prefer typing because I feel, I don't know, like writing's not fast enough. Yeah. Well, typing, typing works. Yeah. I, yeah. it's definitely something that I've resisted and definitely. So I'm grateful that the writing prompts are there because it kind of yeah. makes me do it. Yeah. They, they bring out a lot of insight. Interesting, isn't it? Kind of when we is, yeah. when we dump in for, for for the listeners in consciously high, they are most days or all days. I think all days have writing prompts of some sort or some kind of an exercise. If there's no writing prompt, there's some kind of an exercise. And the idea in these writing prompts is that you you basically don't really lift the pen off the the paper. You just kind of let the hand slide. And even if you don't know what to write, then you say. Oh, I don't know what to write and this is stupid, but I'm writing anyway. And, and there's gems. There's gems that are that are coming up because the mindness then is the one that's writing and not the thinking mind. And okay. it's yeah. Yeah. See, that's helpful. I because I find I'm a type, the type of person I need to know why. And maybe that's why I haven't really attached to journaling because 
I, I just, I'm, I don't know. It's just, I'm the type of person. I'm not going to do it until I know what, why, what's it going right. to do? What's the purpose? Because then you don't know how to write it. If you know what the purpose, you're going to know what to write. But if you don't know what the purpose, what's the point of writing? It's kind right. of like, you know, a double, you know, like uh, what comes first, the chicken or the egg. But no, this is a different type of writing. This is a writing that you're just spilling it out. You're just, even, even if it's just a, a, a pile of mumbo jumbo, there's going to be a sentence. There's going to be a realization. You know, maybe you write and you write and you write and I feel this and I feel that and I feel bored and I feel impatient and I feel lonely. Oh, wow. I, I, I feel lonely. Wow. Yeah. I, I never realized I'm lonely. Oh my God. I'm so lonely. Whatever, whatever. Right. I'm making it up. But um, every, every time, in fact, when I get up in the morning and I, my mind is just so crammed with, with stuff and I can't, you know, I can't even figure out what, you know, I can't focus. Then yeah. I'll just dump things into paper and you'll be amazed how much it cleans the mind and allows us to relax. And, yeah. uh, it's very powerful. So, yeah. um, I want to ask if you, if you have any questions, because if you don't, I want to move to talk about planning what comes after the cannabis break because you have one more week and okay. you know, it's, it's an important time, but, um, and I also know we want to talk about autism and yes. you know, we've been talking for like an hour. So this is, it's interesting. <laughs> um, you mentioned last week that you don't call it addiction anymore and that you call it exaggeration. And I'm really curious to know more about that. I think that we, we become what we think and what we say. And I think that the word addiction has some kind of a connotation that was created in society because of uh, various other addictions like alcohol addiction, like, you know, other addictions um, that is immediately creates the connotation of, I need to stay away from this substance that I'm addicted to uh -huh. and let it go completely. And there's no way in the world that I'm going to be able to interact with it again. And when we talk about addictions, that's usually what comes up. And so I find that, you know, I, I, I think it's important to go through a phase of saying, wow, I'm addicted to cannabis. But I think that once, and you know, you've mentioned in your email to me that you've typed it and that's how you found me. And so, you know, the power of like having the, being brave enough to say addiction, just mm -hmm. saying that word, it has so much power because it's so negative. It's like me addicted. Oh my God, this is, it's a horrible, just like to relate myself to that. Right. But I think that it's important that once we realize that um, we're addicted to start saying, okay, I get it. I get it. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a good realization. I'm not addicted. I'm just exaggerating in my use of cannabis. Because the second you stop exaggerating, you're no longer addicted, right? Right. So yeah. suddenly the addiction has become this conditional thing on you smoking pot. And smoking pot, I mean, I've never been addicted to alcohol. Hopefully, knock on wood, never going to be addicted to alcohol. I, I hear it's horrible. And, you know, I've been addicted to sugar mm -hmm. uh, for most of my life my, my, my youth and, you know, my, the beginning of my adult life. And it's only been, I think eight years 
since I've since I've overcome my addiction to sugar, and um, it was hard. It was hard. It was really hard. With cannabis, the I, I call it depend. I rather call it dependency. I was dependent on cannabis. I wasn't addicted to it because with addiction, ah. Uh, with addiction, if you don't have the option, if you don't have the choice, you're still addicted. If you're addicted to alcohol and you're somewhere where there's no alcohol, you're going to be climbing the walls. You're going right. to be, you know, you, 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 you're going to be like, what the fuck am I doing? With right. cannabis, most people I know, in fact, I haven't met an individual, well, maybe one. Um, and even that, kind of debatable most people that i've met you said the vast vast majority when they travel and there's absolutely no way to get cannabis they simply forget about it. they accept it and yeah. suddenly like where's the addiction where's the addiction what, what what happened oh it's a mental switch Suddenly you realize that when you don't have the choice, you simply let go. It's like that child we were talking about before. It's like, oh, I get it. The parent is not going to cave. And right. so it's, it's different. There's, there's a difference. And I think that realizing that has, it, has power in itself because you realize that there is, there's, a, there's a trigger. There's something that can control it. That is you. It's the word. It's the narrative that you create in your mind. So all you have to do is create a situation where it's impossible for you to smoke, just like you did. Two weeks mm -hmm. ago, you did a little ritual because you followed mm -hmm. the program. In day seven, you did a little ritual and you've said the words. You've said, I will not smoke or whatever words you've used. I will mm -hmm. not smoke for a period of, I'm assuming, three weeks, right? And you said it and you've worked to create some kind of, of a word that you told yourself, we, you know, I, I go through the process in Consciously High to, to talk about the word and how, how do we choose it and how we build it, but you've created something. Now that word is, it's made out of steel. Right. You've infused power into it because you said it. You can mm -hmm. use that word now, Lacey, to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. If you want to write a book, you can use that word to write a book. You said, tomorrow I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. and I'm going to write, even if, it, if it's going to come up to one sentence, I'm not going to get off my chair between 5.10 and 6.10 and I'm going to write something. And because you've said the word, for me, the word is I vow. I vow that tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to write, whatever, right? You, you do it because you've infused so much strength into the word that it's starting to have its own life. It's its own entity. In the beginning, there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the Word, everything is created. In this Word, you've created your freedom from cannabis. With this Word, you've eliminated your dependency. With this Word, you're going to manage your moderation. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm saying at this particular point, after that realization that we have that dependency, that we have that, let's call it addiction for that split moment, let it go. Because if you're going to keep saying you're addicted, then you're always going to stay addicted, right? So yeah. that's the idea. Okay. 
that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. It is very powerful. powerful. Very powerful. There is, uh, I'm sure Eckhart Tolle, uh, it's it's not from him. I, I, I can't remember who said that first, but, you know, a word, uh, our thought become word, a word becomes action, action becomes habit, habits become character, right? Mm-hmm. It all starts with a thought. And what yep. is a thought? A thought is a word. We cannot think without using words. That's the definition of a thought. There's a difference between a thought and an imagination. A thought mm-hmm. is a word. It's some kind of a you know, literal narrative that is running in our minds. Otherwise, it's just imagination. It's passive. And so... It's, you say it's that critical. I will probably see that I can control my thoughts more now that I've developed this word to myself? Hypothetically. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Controlling your thoughts is... It's, it's sort of like, you know... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with tarot. The not really, not really. Tarot is um, uh, e- uh, Egyptian philosophy. It's these uh, these cards. Uh, let me show you a picture. In fact, I've heard. Uh, yeah, I've heard of tarot cards. Okay. my friend has them, but I haven't really looked into them very much. Yeah. So the the eighth card, the chariot, mm-hmm. is depicting a person standing on a chariot with two sphinx it's sort mm-hmm. of horses like one black one white which obviously depict the mind and the mindness you know it's yeah. the, it's the two parts of the mind and the whole idea is to control them and you have to control them both and you control one by the you control them both by controlling the first one and yeah. the word is helping us control our actions mm-hmm. now your mind might still be running like crazy, right? I mean, the mind just runs sometimes. Yeah. And especially when we were anxious, especially when, you know, time, times like this with COVID and, you know, everything that's happening, it's very easy to have anxiety. And anxiety, what's the definition of anxiety? Anxiety is an uh, involuntary racing of the thinking mind, which is, you know, the masculine mind, the, the mind versus the mindness. And so... Um, having the word that you're going to do something is not necessarily going to quiet your mind, but it's going to allow you to do something. Now, the fact that you know that you have this anchor to do something, if you've decided to, might help you quiet your mind because you're going to be more calm because you have more strength in yourself yeah. as an individual. Take it seriously. Yeah. So sort of yeah. like as a side effect, yes. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so I kind of want to wrap up that piece of, of, of the last week because it's so important. Yeah. In the last week, we, we, what we do is we negotiate a truth between the inner child and the inner adult. And the mm-hmm. process I take you through in that week is to say, okay, Take that inner child and give him the option. You know, imagine that the inner child is in a room and there's no adults around and that child can write on a piece of paper or say, express it in some way, shape or form. And I ask to write it because otherwise you might not remember it. 
everything that the child wants, the child list of demands. The child says, hey, I want to smoke um, every Friday because I love smoking on Friday. I'm just making it up, right? Uh, I love smoking on Friday. And the child says, hey, I love smoking when I do, uh, well, I love smoking when I do laundry. But, 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 you know, the child now knows that he can't smoke any time because the child can say, I want to smoke every day and I want to smoke all the time. Well, it's not going to work. The child now understands that there has to be a renegotiation of the rules. The child now understands that he cannot be the one determining all the time who's going to be smoking and who's not. Uh, when, when we're going to be smoking, that there's an adult around. So the child knows that there has to be a partnership. So the child says, well, I guess I don't have to smoke when I do laundry, but I really, really like to smoke when I spend time with Tracy, whatever, your friend. So I'll give you examples from my own life. I have a friend who I love smoking with, right? I love smoking with him. And we just have that kind of relationship, you know? And so we say, okay, my inner child says, I really want to smoke with him. And so we say, okay, we, you know, the, the, that's one of my list of demands. And then I want to smoke on my birthday because I love smoking on my birthday. I want to have the choice to smoke on my birthday. And then I like smoking with my girlfriend, but not all the time because she likes doing all kinds of things. And when we smoke, we don't leave the house. And so, right. you know, she likes to go visit people. And so I like to smoke sometimes. And so on and so forth. So you write that list of demands. And then the next day, the adult writes their list of demands. And the adult might say, well, I don't want to smoke in evenings in the, uh, before days that I want to write. And I want to be able to write. I want to be able to create. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. I know a friend who's a musician who says, I love smoking in order to create new tunes. I know a friend, somebody who's doing the course actually, who is a, a jeweler. And he says, uh, every once in a while, I love creating new things. And when I smoke, I just have that creativity come out. But I'm never going to create that new jewelry if I'm not going to, if I'm going to keep smoking. And so the, the, the child says, hey, I want to smoke every once in a while so I can get new creativity. And the adult says, well, what I want is that uh, four days a week we're not smoking because we want to be actually creating the jewelry or mm -hmm. actually like uh, coding. There's somebody on the uh, Facebook group uh, of mm -hmm. Consciously High, which is a, f a free Facebook group for those who, who enroll in the course in the program. And he said it there, I believe, that, uh, or maybe it was in a private message to me, that he, he, he creates new music when he smokes, but he never actually... I don't know. I, I'm not a musician, so I don't know the terminology. He never actually um, processes it and cr creates yeah. the music, actually makes it if yeah. he keeps smoking. And so, you can see the potential, but yes, you know, the tune it. is there, but then there's the then there's the work. You know, there's there's right. this saying: before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After mm -hmm. enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. You might be enlightened, but you still live in this planet. You still live in this world. You still have to do the work. And so, you know, 
So the inner child writes the list of demands, the inner adult writes the list of demands, and then the adult says, okay, I'm the adult, I know what I want, I know what the child wants, I'm going to have to find a compromise that's going to work for us both because I'm the adult and I have, I have to do this. It's my job to satisfy the inner child and it's my job to satisfy myself. And yeah. I can't cancel myself anymore for the inner child. But I also, if I'm going to, and this is what happens with people who completely decide to stop smoking cannabis and say, oh, I'm just not going to smoke anymore. The inner child gets choked and get squashed. And so they're not going to smoke for a month, two months, three months, sometimes a year, but they're going to be one weak moment. And then that inner child is going to be like, now I got the reins and I'm not yeah. going to give them back to you because last time you stopped smoking, you didn't give me anything. I lost yep. it all. So fuck you. I'm taking the reins and you don't get them anymore. Yeah, and that's a problem, you know. So as you do this process, you know, and so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of insight to what I do in my life. I love clarity. I love my clarity. And I know that I want at least two weeks a month to be completely clear and not smoke. Because I know that if I don't smoke for two weeks a month, I keep my clarity ongoing. Oh. Does that make sense? Now, yeah. so what I do is, I mean, the key to moderation is schedule. What, mm -hmm. I, what I've done is I worked out with my friend who I like to smoke with that we meet on a regular basis in a particular day a week. It's Wednesday. So what we said is, listen, let's smoke three Wednesdays a month. Three Wednesdays a month. Once that third Wednesday comes, first Wednesday, second Wednesday, third Wednesday, once that third Wednesday come, we smoke but then starting tomorrow, we don't smoke. And then we don't smoke for two weeks until that, that first Wednesday, right, of the three. And so we smoke three Wednesdays, but we actually have two weeks in between them. So it comes out that I smoke 15 days a month and then 13 days I don't smoke at all, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does, does uh -huh. that work out? You can see a calendar in your mind and kind of work out the logic there? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, do you see what I'm doing? And so, so my inner child got what it wants. There's only one Wednesday a month that I don't get to smoke with my friend. Yeah. But I, but the adult gets to two full weeks, almost three and a half, uh, thirteen and a half days, where there's absolutely no weed. And so I get that break, and then you know I do it seasonally, like you know. So oh, I've divided my my month now. And then in the two weeks that I smoke, I smoke with my friend. I smoke. These are becoming the two weekends that I smoke with my girlfriend, which makes sense. But then I get two weekends where I don't smoke at all, which I can do other activities. And then I, you know, uh, my inner child gets um, right now it's six times every quarter, every season, every mm -hmm. season that it can choose to smoke for other reasons. And choose whenever it wants. So it's basically once a month plus two more um, that plus three more that it can choose. So for example, I have another friend that sometimes, sometimes I like smoking with, or maybe I'm at a party and somebody hands a joint. And so there's all these goodies, like there's always around the corner, there's always an opportunity to smoke. And yet there's always around the corner that 
chunk of time where I don't smoke and that, you know, these days in between when I don't smoke. And it, for me, it works. It's a really good schedule. Um, and it's just, it's just my body gets used to it. So that habit of like, oh, I get to fold laundry now, so I want to smoke. It's the same thing. Once you do it again and again and again, my body knows, oh, it's those two weeks. Now I don't smoke. I don't even think about it anymore. Right. I don't even think about it. Boom. Mm -hmm. My body's used to it. And when the time comes to smoke, the desire comes up. It says, oh, now it's time to smoke. Oh, goody. And it's yeah. fine because it's balanced. It's balanced. Yeah. 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 Is yeah, that helpful? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Hmm. Um, we can talk about autism or we can do another podcast sometime to talk about autism and cannabis. Um, I'm I'm game, but you know, it's a big topic. It is a big topic. It is a big topic, that's for sure. Um, it doesn't matter to me. Um do you wanna do another episode sometime? Uh yeah, I would love to. Let's do that because it's 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 a topic worthy of its own, you know, space. Yeah. And yeah. uh what we can do if you want is do another episode um towards the end of your journey, uh potentially next week. I have to check my schedule, but we can talk about that in a week okay. or two and see how you're doing and then we'll talk about autism. All right. Is that okay? Yeah, sounds good. Is there is there anything else you want to cover today? I don't think so. I think I have a lot to stew on. <laughs> it's a lot, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, just like a good Jewish person, I talk a lot, so. <laughs> no, you know, I've lived my life on the West Coast. I don't think I've ever met a Jewish person. <laughs> oh, really? Really. Well, that that's that's impossible. <laughs> I, I well, maybe, yeah, maybe I have, yeah. and I didn't know. But yeah. I've yeah. always been like so curious about about Jewish people and this thing. I and so I'm so grateful to meet you. <laughs> oh, and I'm I'm grateful to meet you too. You well, you're talking to to a Jew in Jerusalem, so <laughs> I know can't get much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. Well, Lacey, it's been such a pleasure talking to you, and I want to thank you for sharing uh, your journey and your insights and your wisdom, and um, I can tell you have a lot more uh, to tell, and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to speak to you again and see how your journey of becoming consciously high is, is going to unfold. And, uh, and to talk to you about aut autism, about your work, I, 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 I have so many questions. I want to hear um, how, how this autism thing is, you know, what insights you had about cannabis and autism and about things that I've been talking about. So I, I'm, I'm kind of excited that we've decided to do it in a, in a different program. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Right, everything you said right back at you. That was a lot of fun. Okay. Okay, <laughs> great. So keep going with the program. Uh, don't let go. For those of you who are listening who are interested in it, go to weedoutthehabit.com. Weed out the habit. Because um, that's the idea. Um, weed out the habit, keep the weed. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's the idea. We're all adults 
And uh, if we're smoking too much, there's a place in us that that has that moderation. And and don't 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 let go. Don't let go. Don't don't let go of that place because you are capable. I've seen it again and again of achieving it. Don't throw the baby with the bathwater. So, Lacey, Lacey is a great example of how that's done. Yeah. Um. Uh. Anything else, Lacey? I don't think so. Thank you for okay. having me. Well, thanks for coming here. Um, thanks everyone for listening this far. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Creorg Institute, uh, where we make sense of the human mind. Um, you can find us on creorg.institute. That's C-R-I-O-R-G.institute. Uh, no need for .com. Uh, http.creorg.institute. Uh, HTTP uh, forward slash. Hold on. No, how does it go? HTTP colon forward slash forward slash creorg.institute. Um, and um, what else did I have to say? Yes, yeah, smoke responsibly. And thanks, everyone. We'll uh, talk again soon. Say